listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. I could be moving from my office to being one of those absolute degenerates that smells like moldy cheese and death. And national recruiting analyst, Adam Gorney. Grover isn't around as much, but uh, Oscar the Grouch is still around a lot. Elmo has taken a prominent role. I mean, he's like the main character. That's right. Welcome to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry. First, real quick, before we get started, I'd like to ask everyone, please, if you can, take two minutes, go on iTunes. It helps us a lot. To If you could leave us a review there, uh, just takes a couple of minutes and it helps us out tremendously. It would help us out hugely, bigly. Uh, so let's get let's get let's get right in and bring in the stars of the show, the Godfather, uh, Mike Farrell and Adam Gorney. Guys, obviously, there's a lot to talk about coming off the second week of college football. So, uh, Farrell, I'll start with you and let you get it, get right into it. I'm gonna shout out to our latest subscriber, by the way, who will probably leave us some feedback. Courtney, who is a big Gators fan, very disappointed in the Gators. We're gonna get to the Gators and Kentucky uh, very shortly, but. Let's talk Texas A&M and how right I was about Kellen Mond, Gorney. You are so right, Mike. Keep saying it. Say it over and over <laughs> and over again. Listen, hey, I don't know I, if he's turned the corner. It worries me a little bit, um, you know, that I don't know if he's turned the corner. I don't know if this was just a tremendous performance by him. He, he made some passes, obviously, that his receivers bailed him out on quite a bit. But, you know, there was a, a lot of talk that he wasn't even going to be the starter this year. And the yeah. one play that Starco came in, um, what was that? It ended up being a fumble or a strip sack or something like that. But I thought Kellen Mond looked amazing. Um, I thought Clemson did the right thing in keeping Kelly Bryant as their guy, uh, you know, as their leader, the guy with experience in a, in a tight game on the road. Um, so I think both teams, despite the fact that Clemson won this game by two, have a lot to take away from it. This is why Clemson's good. They schedule early conference games that test them, make them tougher. If you hear any noise in the background, by the way, that's my dog chewing on a bone. Oh, this, this dog, this, this dog needs to be sent away to the farm. Well, if I put the dog outside the room, then it'll just whine and scratch at the door. So it's better to have it at my feet. Chewing on a bone as loudly as possible. But um, I think both teams can take something away from here. You know, they were talking about a culture change at Texas A&M and all that. I'm not sure if that's taken place already. You know, they did fight the fight. Um, they played a good game. They played against a tough opponent on the road. They didn't wilt. Uh, they didn't go away. Um, I was very impressed with the way Mond has picked up the offense. Jimbo didn't yell at him that much, if you noticed. Uh, right, yeah. He just yelled at the refs for that uh, The call where Davis reached out and the ball went over which the is a stupid. Or... It's a stupid rule. You know, yeah, it, it is. It it's too excessive. And it's hard to really determine sometimes the angle of the football. I mean, that could have gone out at the half-yard line. It could have gone out at the you know half-yard into the end zone. You just can't tell these things. But right. I will tell you this. Um, I was, I was you know, happy to watch a game that, that was that competitive. And like I said, my takeaways from that and my Saturday shine and shame, which is really – it gone viral. I mean, at least three or four people are reading this at a time. Um, <laughs> we're Kellen Mond and Kelly Bryant. Those are my two takeaways. Mond, hopefully, having turned the corner, and now he will become a superstar quarterback in the SEC. And Kelly Bryant, uh, having to hold off Trevor Lawrence, and you know, having to put deal with the pressure of 
potentially being yanked every series. Um, putting up such a very good game was impressive to me with his leadership. Yeah, I think that's a very difficult situation for Kelly Bryant to be in, always looking over his shoulder. And, and you know, some guys go out and deliver in those situations like he did, and some guys kind of, you know, hold it back a little bit, worried that if a, a mistake happens that they're going to be yanked and Lawrence is going to be put in. But when when things got tough, when they got down the stretch, they, they led, you know, they – they leaned on Kelly Bryant the whole way. Um, he made it 21-6 when it, when it became 21-13 and the place was going nuts. He came down and led them down the field for another scoring drive to make it 28-13. And then Texas A&M had their rally in the fourth quarter. But Lawrence didn't even see the field late in the game there. Uh, Kelly Bryant was the guy. And I can't blame Dabo for doing that. The guy has been in tough situations before. I think Lawrence is the more skilled quarterback. But... Um, and putting him in that situation there would be a tough a tough thing to do. So I think Dabo handled that well. It's just going to be a question moving forward. Is this now Kelly Bryant's offense? Are they going to still play two? Or are they going to switch back and forth? And I don't think any quarterback out there is thrilled with the switching back and forth thing. I think there's a rhythm to playing quarterback. I think making a mistake, you want to go back in and, and rectify that problem. I don't think you want to sit on the sidelines for someone else to go in and do that. So that's going to be a delicate balance that Dabo's going to have to deal with. He has Georgia Southern this weekend, so we'll be able to figure it out. But at Georgia Tech might be tricky. Then the, then the schedule gets pretty light. Syracuse and Wake Forest heading into middle or late October when NC State and Florida State are the game. So he'll have time to figure this thing out and, and work it and see if he's going to play two the whole way, if he's going to play one. Um, we'll see. But Kellen Mond, I think, takes to Jimbo's style very well. He's a kid that takes to coaching and is kind of mild-mannered, so if Jimbo's yelling, he can kind of, you know, be the calm in the storm there. Uh, Jimbo didn't do a whole lot of yelling uh, on Saturday night. I don't think he had to. Mond played really well. I think Kendrick Rogers is a star in the making. Uh, he was awesome. I thought he was fantastic. Mond, Mond still has a little bit of that deep ball, five yards too far thing going on, and if he hit some of those passes, uh, you know, I think Texas a would have been probably taking the lead there late in the game. Um, but, but Texas A&M played really well. In terms of a culture change, when Texas A&M is home at night, it's always a competitive game. Um, so I don't know if they're there yet. This is a team that probably is going to start 2-2. Two and two. They have Alabama in two weeks, so let's not get too crazy just yet. Yeah, let's not. I mean, the thing about Mond is, you know, last year against Alabama, he looked good. You know, this year against Clemson. I mean, these are the most talented defenses he's going to play. And then against some horrible team, or not horrible, but some average team, he'll look awful. Um, so yeah. I'm waiting to see if that happens this year. You know, I don't expect them to beat Alabama in a couple weeks. I don't think anybody does. But he was on the run for his life throughout the game. I mean, that defensive front is so fun to watch. If you like football, if you like technical football, technique, and defensive line play, they are just absolutely ridiculous. I don't know who's better, Christian Wilkins or Cleon Farrell. I don't know which one will be drafted higher. Dexter Lawrence is obviously an exceptional athlete as well. He could be drafted higher than both of them. Um, it's just amazing to watch those guys. I hated the two-point uh, two conversion call I hated, but they had to roll away from Farrell. Yeah, the, 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 the guy that was great the other night too was Austin Bryant. I mean, he was coming off the edge the whole game. And I think he cleans up a little bit because Wilkins gets so much attention and Farrell gets so much attention and everybody else gets so much attention. And, and Bryant is kind of, if you're going to pick a poison, I guess you let him go one-on-one -on -one against somebody. But that front is so good and it wears wears you down the entire game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if anybody can kind of compete with Clemson. Clemson kind of has 
a little bit of an easy schedule here. Florida State looks terrible. Um, we'll see if they can figure things out. I think NC State might be their toughest game. That's at home. Uh, so they're kind of cruising here um, with, with a schedule that's not entirely tough uh, headed toward the college football playoff. And, and I'm already putting them in two weeks into the season. I, I, you know, I, I can't see them going to Texas A&M, winning that game, and then losing somewhere else. I just don't see where they lose. Well, um, they'll, they'll lose a game that they should win. I mean, that happens every year for Clemson. It used to be called Clemsoning, remember, but now yeah. it's, no, it's not anymore. They'll, they'll lose a game along the line. Um, you know, Texas A&M is a tough team to play on the road at night, as you mentioned. But, you know, Clemson isn't undefeatable. You know, they've got a lot of talent for sure. But yeah. they were very vulnerable in certain areas in that football game. So I think they'll lose a game. I don't see them running the table but I still think they'll win the ACC and get in the playoff. So another reminder, just leave us a review on iTunes, even if you hate us terribly. Uh, the reviews help to get more people to listen to the podcast. <laughs> That's our entire goal because we don't do this for fun. We do this uh, you know, I do. because we want people well, we want people to uh, we want people to listen. So Stanford, USC, let's go out west to your, your part of the country there. The Stanford defense looked great. Bryce Love looked very good. Um, can you guys hear my dog chewing on the bone? No. It's really loud to me. I mean, it's right under my chair. It's very, very annoying, but nothing I can do about it. But um, I thought USC looked really inept, and I think that's partially the Stanford defense and partially the fact that they're playing a guy who should be in high school right now. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's part of it. I think the play calling was very conservative. Um, I, I don't think they took shots. JT Daniels is too skilled to kind of not allow to take shots down the field like they should have. Um, you know, three points is inexcusable. But this is USC in big games recently. They got hammered up front against Ohio State. Uh, Alabama two years ago completely embarrassed them. Um, they're a very very young team, and I'll and I'll give them I'll give them that. Um, but this isn't a team, and, and, and as you go through the Pac-12, uh, how, where does USC stand? Stanford is better. They beat them by two touchdowns. Washington is better. Oregon probably is better. Uh, you have to talk about Arizona State possibly being better. Uh, what, what is this, the fifth or fifth best team in the Pac-12? So, um, you know, I, I thought they were very, very conservative. I don't think they got Amon Ross St. Brown the ball, you know, enough. Only two catches for 39 yards. Uh, Michael Pittman only had three catches. I think Daniels and, and Amon Ra was getting double teamed basically the whole game, so they forced the ball to Tyler Vaughn, who had seven catches. But, um, you know, Stephen Carr only 10, 10 rushes. These are your skill players that you need to figure out ways to get the ball in their hands. You know, uh, Amon Ra St. Brown had a big game against UNLV. Of course Stanford is going to force the ball out of his hands, but there are ways to get the ball in his hands on sweeps, on all kinds of different kind of things, where he is faster than anybody else on the field that Stanford has. And I just didn't like the play calling that USC had. But, you know, it's typical USC in big games recently. They just lose these games. Well, let's give Stanford credit, too. They're not nearly as athletically challenged as people like to say. It's always, you know... Oh, no. It's always uh, the power game of Stanford against the athletes of USC. That's not always the case. Um, you know, no. they can match up at many positions with them. Their defense played very well. They did a good job getting Bryce Love outside uh, where he can make people miss, um, you know, trying to avoid some of that punishment in the interior. And, 
you know, your boy JT Daniels looked like a freshman, you know, which is to be expected. We're just so used to seeing these guys like Fromm last year and Trevor Lawrence this year just come in and look great. He really yeah. looked like a freshman. Yeah, I think he saw some things that confused him, and uh, Josh Rosen struggled against Stanford for years, and um, he looked like a freshman, but he was also not really running an offense that was looking to push the ball down the field, let's say. So two interceptions, no touchdowns. He'll learn from it. He was sacked four times. Uh, but what about your boy, K.J. Costello, continues to deliver. Uh, very good game manager. He has very Bryce Love solid. in the backfield. Very solid performance for the second straight week. Yeah, very solid player. You know, I think underrated as well. Yeah. You know, I think he's going to be a good pro. I'm not saying he's going to be a starter and a league star, but I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be around the NFL quite a bit because he he knows the game of football. He knows not to make mistakes. <clears throat> you know, this isn't Kevin Hogan. This is a much more talented uh, player. Did I say the right Hogan? Because I was just watching the NFL yesterday. And I get Kevin Hogan and Chris Hogan very confused sometimes, even though they play different positions. So I said the right Hogan, right? What's interesting about – I, I don't know. Yeah. You uh, don't know Kevin who, that's Hogan. the right Kevin, Hogan? Kevin, Kevin Hogan. from D.C. Yeah. He was a quarterback at Stanford. It's Kevin. Yeah, Hogan. Kevin Hogan. What's Yeah, Kevin. What, what's yeah. interesting about Costello, though, in, in high school, it was he was. He took those shots and, and threw some interceptions, and that was kind of a concern of his. Could he dial it back a little bit and not make those mistakes? And he's really taken to this offense of – not screwing it up and just moving the ball down the field, giving it to Bryce Love 22 times and, and making sure everything works. So I, I was very impressed by Costello. He won the battle on Saturday. And even though David Shaw hates recruiting websites and hates us, sure. props to him. I mean, he's a terrific coach. He oh, does phenomenal. a very, very good job. I'm sure when he hits the, he hears this, he's going to, you know, along with the other 300 people, he's going he's gonna to really change his mind about us. But um, Well, thank you. I really do think he does a tremendous job getting his team ready. So let's move from the West Coast to the Pac-12, which is going to miss the playoff, obviously, and won't have a team in the playoff um, for the second straight year, to um, Georgia and South Carolina. What a disappointment. South Carolina just, you know, was in it for a little while. Um, but, my goodness, Georgia just looks really good. Yeah. And, and disappointment for South Carolina, but credit to Georgia because – you know, they could have got into this game really feeling themselves and don't, not worrying about a, t- a South Carolina team that has not been really relevant recently. And they went in there and, and really just kicked ass. I mean, the defense was so aggressive. I love how their corners and safeties play. Uh, South Carolina's receivers were looking over their shoulder catching the ball because they, were, they knew they were going to get walloped all over the field. Um, Kirby and that defense is, is so aggressive um, Jake Bentley looked lost, um, you know, the, through the pick six and just so aggressive all over the field, flying all over the field, no excuses, went in there, blew them out. And, you know, that's the way you expect a, a team playing for national championships to play. Just not messing around, not making it interesting. It was co- it was a completely boring, you know, second half of the third quarter and, and the entire fourth quarter. And, you know, the people that paid all that money to, to see an upset or, there was so much talk that South Carolina was going to cover 10 and keep it close and all this stuff, and it was just a complete blowout. So a tremendous amount of credit to Georgia and how they handled themselves. And let's Saturday. remember, this is the second-best team in the SEC East. So if Georgia handles the second-best team in the SEC East this way, there's no one that is even going to come close to winning that division. It's over. It's week two, yeah. and it's over. Uh, but I will say this. DeAndre Baker is an absolute moron. 
moron. You know what I'm talking about, right? You saw the pick six. Where he dropped oh, where he the dropped the ball, yeah. The, now, uh, why coaches, they coach every oh. single thing. I mean, there are coaches out there who literally teach players how to tie their shoes the right way and to put on their pads the right way and to hold the mouthpiece in the right way. And, and these coaches allow these players to keep dropping the ball in the end zone for some reason. He dropped it, and it wasn't even close. I mean, I was watching the game, and I saw him dropping it. It looked like he dropped it at almost like the two-yard line. <laughs> it was a really bad drop, so... Uh, just hold on to the ball, and then, like like some players do, kick it or, or punt it into the stands. Take your penalty. It's better than dropping it at the two-yard line like an idiot. Yeah, that drives me absolutely nuts. It just drives me. It's, you know, everything drives me crazy that's not fundamental football. And when I see stuff like that, I just I want to lose my mind. Because there's I don't no even get why it's cool excuse. to drop it at the, at the goal line. Not, What's so it's cool? It's stupid. And I was, I was looking back at... I don't know what anniversary it was of Deion Sanders' first ever uh, pick six with the Falcons. Yeah. And he almost did the same thing, and I think that's where it started. You know, guys like that showboating who are getting into their celebration so quickly that they don't have time to cross the goal line with the football. Um, yeah. It just drives me nuts. And DeAndre Baker is arguably the best pro prospect at cornerback in the country. Um, and, you know, he's a great player, but, man... That drove me nuts. Um, you know, I'm sure it drove the Georgia fans nuts too. And had South Carolina pounced on that ball and recovered it, I, I would love to see what Kirby Smart would have done to DeAndre Baker because I know, I know he got a talking to. I know it's being addressed right now in the film room and all that other stuff. But yeah. remember when Ray Ray did it for um, Clemson? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Deshaun Jackson in the U.S. Army All-American Ball. American Deshaun Jackson on Monday yeah. Night Football. You know, it's it's the cockiness. It's the, you know, I'm I'm so good, I'm going to score this touchdown, and I don't even need to cross the goal line with it. And that annoys me as, as well. But that's not to take away from the Georgia victory, but that type of fundamental football just, if I were a coach, I would, that's why I can't be a coach, because I would, I would kill that person. I would literally yeah. kill them. So let's yeah. move to Oklahoma. Let's talk a little bit about the Sooners and how impressive they are. They gave up a touchdown early to UCLA and then just absolutely blew their doors off. Kyler Murray looks better than I expected. The defense looks very good. They held FAU to nothing, you know, seven points, I think it was. Held UCLA. And chip, was it 14? Um, I think the defense only gave up seven, though. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I think there was a run back, yeah. But UCLA and Chip Kelly, you know, getting 21 points against them. The, the defense looks improved, but, you know, Rodney Anderson is a big, big loss for them. Yeah, two things on this. Rodney Anderson is a big loss. Um, you know, but Trey Sermon is not chopped liver. TJ Pledger is not a bad player, even though he's young. And so I think they'll be fine there. I don't think they're going to really miss that much of a beat. Uh, every defense tries to figure out a way to stop this passing attack, and they can't. CeeDee Lamb is phenomenal. Calcaterra is okay. I've never been a tremendously huge Grant Calcaterra fan. I think he needs to be more physical. Uh, and so he'll de- he'll continue to develop. And then Hollywood Brown is, is phenomenal too. And Kyler Murray, I mean, is there any drop-off from Baker Mayfield last year? Do, does Lincoln Riley trust him any less than he did Baker in that offense? I mean, it just seems like, they're moving the ball down the field. UCLA's defense was aggressive and good for a little while there, and they were kind of slowing them down, and then the floodgates just opened. 
Yeah, there's um, a there's a drop off in the passing ability. I mean, obviously Kyler Murray has a big arm for a small guy, uh, but when we're talking about you know creating passing lanes and things like that, I, I don't think he's as adept as Baker, but but he can run, and that's the thing. He's so fast that that gives you this extra element. So yeah. Rodney Anderson is a very very tough loss because he's a, a talented talented kid, and it's real horrible because what did he break his leg and then he broke a vertebrae in his neck or something yeah i think he had a collarbone issue or a neck issue so now he's you know three out of four years he's rehabbing he was one of our guys that we put on high on the uh the pro prospect list when it comes to running backs because it's not a great year for running backs coming out and he was definitely one of the top two or three Um, yeah and he's a talented kid he can catch the football as well as run it but um that's going to hurt them a little bit. Luckily, they're in the Big 12, and uh, I don't see a Big 12 team that looks good. But here's uh, here's the question. TCU like, maybe, but they're going to get croaked by Ohio State. I agree. Here's the question. Has the game, has the college game caught up to Chip Kelly? You know, somebody this... asked me that for my amazing Twitter Tuesday column, yeah, which is coming out on Tuesday, which is really taking the earth by storm. Because... In this sense, though, Mike, in this sense, that – what Chip Kelly did at Oregon was innovative and original. Now everybody's copied him. He's trying to do the same thing, and everyone knows now how to stop it. My, with my in, answer inferior to the question players. is they're going to be fine. you got to give him time to build his roster. you got to give him time to get guys that fit what he does. Yes, I know everybody goes 100 miles an hour on offense now, but they still don't go as fast as Oregon went. I mean, just yeah. nobody went as fast as Oregon ever went. Um, but where else but rivals will you find – a place where somebody asks you questions on Twitter and you answer the questions? Uh, that is a good question. I don't right? know. I, that is good. It's, it's Opening it's, it up to the to the masses. It's not only innovative, but it's earth-shattering yeah. is what it is. So that's coming out on Tuesday, and that very question was asked, has the game passed Chip Kelly by? No. He had success, remember, at Philadelphia in the NFL with that hurry-up offense. So... Just got to let the guy get his dudes. Now, recruiting's not going that well, right? No. No, they don't that's offer a, a lot of players. <laughs> they don't right. offer many. That, that's a bit of a problem. But <clears throat> I think eventually they'll get their guys. You know, the guys that don't go to USC or Oregon will probably end up at UCLA. He'll get some speed there. You know, he's got a good freshman quarterback who's showing some signs here or there. Um, I just think it's going to take two or three years for them to be competitive uh, you know, with the USC's of the world. But I think they'll get there. I don't think it's passed them by. What, what's your answer to your own question? Um, I don't I don't think... I, I, first, I didn't ask if the game passed him by. If he'd listen to me, you'd understand. I, I said, has it caught ever. up to him? Has, it, has oh. the game caught up to him? Is he doing anything that anyone else isn't doing? At Oregon, that's what he did. He was doing things that no one could have ever comprehended doing, and that's why he... You know, went to the national championship game, but ah. now he's doing the very similar things, and so is everyone else. And so, when he tries those similar things at Oklahoma, Oklahoma's defense has seen that from a better offense. Yeah, and but the so, guy's two games into his tenure, and he inherited a roster which has some talent on it. But th- he's got to change the culture there. We're talking about Jimbo and the Texas A&M culture of losing. Definitely, they definitely. have to change that culture even more so at UCLA because these guys. They go down two touchdowns and they quit. That's yeah. what they're used to doing, and that's what they've done forever. So he's going to have to change that and let them know, hey, listen, 
if we're down two or three touchdowns, we're not out of this because we've got an explosive offense and we can do things. But he doesn't have the guys. It's the Jimmys and Joes right now that fit his system that are lacking. And that's the thing. And that then I I really do believe that's one of the reasons why he's recruiting in a different way because you know a lot of kids out here get forty offers before their junior year and they're done playing and they're not really all that interested and. They don't weightlift as much, and they feel you know they're feeling their oats a little bit, as they say. Um, and so I think what he's done is you know the rumor was is when he came in, he looked at every single offer that every, he looked at tape of every kid that had a UCLA offer and pulled about ninety percent of those offers and said those are not kids that are going to be coming here. And so I think he's looking for a little bit of a different mentality from kids, maybe kids who are slightly underrated, a little hungrier, want to come in and prove themselves. Um, even guys that are five stars like Darnay Holmes, who has a edge to him, Jalen Phillips has an, has had an edge to him. And so those are the kind of guys that he's looking to build. And I agree with you that the culture needs to change because UCLA had a lot of talent on those Jim Mora teams and they just honestly never delivered. Um, and so Chip Kelly, the, the interesting question is, does he have three years in himself, the patience within himself to build a program that has to go from, let's say, five and seven, four and eight, to six and six, to seven and five, to eight and four. Can he, within his own mind and the way he runs a program and how he was handled himself with the 49ers and the Eagles, does he have the patience to deal with that? Or does he say, screw this, I can go do something better? Because someone will hire him away if they, if they want him. Not in the NFL, though. No, not in the NFL. They'll hire him in college. But I, st- I think he does have the patience. I mean, listen, if you want to be in a place where you can recruit talent and speed, UCLA is not a bad place to be. So I think right. he'll be fine. So let's stay out west, talk about Arizona State and Herm Edwards. We were laughing at Herm Edwards. We were laughing at the hire of Herm Edwards. Now he's beating Michigan State, a ranked team. He's 2-0. and Coach of the year or what in the Pac-12? Oh. <laughs> I, give, I give him a lot of credit and uh... – I was withholding judgment. I was pessimistic about how this would work out. Very big win, come from behind win. Um, but let's let's not get crazy yet. Michigan. I, I give Herm all the credit in the world for what he's done so far. He's proven a lot of people wrong. But this is a Michigan State team that almost lost to Utah State at home in the season opener. They are far from being a very talented team. Uh, I think San Diego State can give them problems this weekend. I think Washington blows the doors off in two weekends. If that doesn't happen, then we're talking about something that might be really working and a model that other schools can use. You hire old NFL coaches or guys that or guys who have done well in the NFL who have kind of faded away over the last decade or so. You surround him with a lot of old NFL players like Antonio Pierce and a staff that can go out and recruit and do that. And you'll be able to win in, in a conference like the Pac-12. So I think it's a model that is interesting. I think Herm Edwards might not be the, the best uh, leader of that model. I think you know being out of the game for 10 years, having a losing record in the NFL, not coaching in college football since the 80s, all of those things are still concerning and are still concerning after two weekends. Uh, we'll see after the next two weeks, especially how they play up at Washington September 22nd, uh, if this is working or not. And Big 12 Coach of the Year is clearly David Beatty. David Beatty, big win over the Central Michigan Chippewas. I don't know what, which I should do here, honestly. Is, is praise Kansas or shame Central Michigan? Which I, I think do? you should shame Central Michigan. 
I mean, what was it? Was it 46 games? Or no, it was more than that. Losing streak yeah. on the road. Something yeah. ridiculous. Something yeah. bad. And, and 31-7. I mean, that's... Yeah, they killed them. Woof. So that's the one win for Kansas this year or no? Could they make it two with Rutgers? Rutgers coming to town? Yeah, they are. That's a big game. Rutgers, of course, <laughs> is on my shame list because they've never made it never made it competitive against Ohio State. Not even for like a five minute period of time. Like no, they scored a field goal, so that was the first points I think they put up against Ohio State in the last three or four years. I can't remember which. It was one hundred and thirty five <laughs> points to nothing or something like that. It was amazing, but they haven't been competitive. Not even for like a couple minutes against no. Ohio State. And Michigan, of course, we know dropped, what, 77 on them a few years ago, a couple of years ago. So Rutgers, Kansas should be a battle. I'm not sure who wins that football game. Now that Kansas has won on the road, um, anything can happen. Now that Kentucky's won on the road, let's talk about them. You know, I watched this game, and I'm worse off for it. I mean, Florida looked so horrible. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I can't figure it out. These teams with four and five stars, you know, I talked about uh, Texas last week against Maryland. Texas, again, struggling with Tulsa. There's just so much roster talent, and they can't get anything going. Florida is loaded with four and five star prospects on their team, and their offense was abysmal. It was so bad to watch. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, well, one, I've never been a tremendous Felipe Franks fan, um, so we'll start there. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen a Dan Mullen coach team at Mississippi State play so bad. I thought they looked worse than any of his Mississippi State teams, and I don't and I don't get it. Um, I don't know if this is just new coaches trying to figure out their teams. Texas is a completely different issue, but you know, well, Franks was. We're going to talk about them. 17 of 38. He was also the leading rusher on the team. Um, their their top receiver had 35 receiving yards against Kentucky, and that's just a shame. I mean, that's just sad. 1986 um, was the last time Kentucky beat Florida. 1979, the last time they beat Florida on the road. That's yeah. amazing. And that yeah. streak ended. And, you know, every time Kentucky would take the lead, I'm like – it's not going to last. I mean, this can't happen. This yeah. is Florida. Florida's going to win this game. This is one of the streaks you can rely upon and, and never have to worry about. And then it was clear at one point the game was over. They had no chance of winning. And I don't even know what to do with that. I mean, the fans in the swamp must have been so depressed. Because this is, to Florida, this is as bad as losing to me. This is as bad as losing to an FCS program. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Um, it's it's ending a streak that's forever. I know the Florida State fans out there that I know uh, who barely beat Sanford um, <laughs> were absolutely thrilled because Florida lost to Kentucky. It's almost like, you know, well, we struggled with Sanford. We lost to Virginia Tech last week, but Florida embarrassed themselves. But Florida lost, yeah. For the first time ever. <laughs> And then the Miami fans, who are coming off that horrible performance against LSU and then beat, what, Savannah State 77 to nothing or something? Yes. Ridiculous. The Miami fans are laughing as well. Um, nobody in the state of Florida should be laughing. They all stink. They all look horrible. And Miami looked horrible against LSU. Florida State has looked horrible in two straight games. And Florida loses to Kentucky. What is wrong with football in the Power Five in the state of Florida? I don't, I don't care because UCF still looks good. 
and USF beat Georgia Tech, but it doesn't matter. Those aren't Power 5 schools. I don't know what's wrong with it. I, all I know is that Florida State looks terrible. They Cam Akers has played in two games, has no touchdowns. Jacquez he's, Patrick, on, he's on my fantasy team, by the way. <laughs> well, trade him. Don't I'm you read my stuff? No, I don't. <clears throat> I know. No one else does either. Uh, Cam Akers, they have, Florida State has played two games. Okay, Virginia Tech shut him out. I get it. Three, three points, whatever. But Samford, Cam Akers, Jacquez Patrick, no rushing touchdowns yet. Can you explain that? Uh, I'm, I'm sure Samford's defensive line was not uh, was all that all that stellar. No, the size difference in that game was amazing. Did you see it? Yes. Yeah, and, and it didn't seem to matter. No, it doesn't. I, I don't know what Willie Taggart's doing. I don't know what's wrong with Florida State, but you know if they don't snap out of this in the next couple of seasons, they're heading for a Miami type of performance year in year out. I mean, Miami's been in the ACC since what? I don't know what year it was they entered the ACC. Wasn't it the late 90s? 96? Um, 7? Like yeah. They won their first division last year, which is that's hilariously embarrassing. Florida State, if they're not careful, is going to get surpassed in their own division by some schools. Um, I was going to make this joke on Twitter, but I, I took, the, took the, the high road here, Mike. Willie Taggart with the win on Saturday – Improved his overall record to forty-eight and fifty-one. Yeah, there you go. Under five hundred huh? coach. You know, I mean, well, listen, it's hard to win at those places he's been at, and you know, Oregon was just there for one year. But I, I don't know if he's the right fit. It's too early to say he's not. But man, they looked awful, and uh, Florida looked awful, and you know, Miami. Who cares? But how about speaking of looking awful? Who who would win the game between Appalachian State and Pitt? <laughs> oh, App State would definitely win that game. Speaking, talking about giving credit, though, how about the Knits on Saturday night? Uh, I mean, they took it. They went they to did. the Steel City, and they took it to those. This is what I Panthers. said. I said they took Pitt over their knee, and they spanked them. <laughs> oh, yeah. An embarrassing route of a football game. Penn State was angry after losing. Well, not losing, but should have been losing to Appalachian State. <laughs> and they just took it out on them. And, uh... You know, a couple other teams that bounce back. Michigan bouncing back nicely. Yep. Um, you know, I thought that was that was good, and not really a couple other teams, just uh, one team that I'm mentioning is Michigan. But Ohio State's passing games. Your boy Tate Martell got in and threw a long touchdown pass. Hey, I'll tell you what, the the kid can play. He can. Um, we almost had it as a five star. If he wasn't five foot nine and a half, he would have been a five star. The, the kid's a playmaker. I mean, Dwayne Haskins. I just don't know what he should do long term. Should should Tate Martell stay at Ohio State and sit behind Haskins, who is a phenomenal player in his own right? Uh, does he well, get could to see be the gone f- after next season? Could after go next pro season. After next season. After next season. So d- does does Tate go somewhere else and have two or three years in, in another system? Sit out. Well, he's, that's, he's that's perfect for that system. He just, oh, he's, he's perfect. Be, he's perfect. He's got to be patient. He'll get his time this year because they're going to blow out so many football teams that he'll be able to put up stats. And, and you never know. I mean, you're a play away from playing at the back of quarterback. But yeah, look at Adrian much, Martinez going down, and Tristan Jebbia would have been playing against Colorado instead he trans- transferred out six days before the season started. Well, that's because he's a wuss and didn't want to stick <laughs> in. You know me. I don't like when quarterbacks transfer immediately. 
upon yeah. losing the starting job. And I know it's to a true freshman, so that's a problem. And you yeah. think to yourself, oh, my God, even if this guy's a three and out, I'm never going to play again. But you are one play away from getting back in there and being the guy. And now, apparently, Nebraska is uh, sending the play in because they think it was a dirty hit on Martinez. Did you see that? That just came I'd out. A, I'd have to look at the hit again. Um, I did see it live. I didn't think it was a cheap shot, but I'll, I'll take a look again and see. Um, Christian Wilkins had a cheap shot against Mon. He did. did. That? that was a that was a cheap shot. I mean, that was where he should have maybe have been tossed for that because yeah, the they, ball was they out. Toss people Wilkins, for targeting, he, and they don't I know, toss he, people for that. He didn't toss for three hundred and twenty pounds, intentionally taking him to the ground and then suplexing him or whatever he did, whatever the yeah, move he just, would be. He just landed on him. It was like I he, know. Just, he clearly tried to injure him. And I Definitely. like Christian Wilkins. He's played in Connecticut. He's a Massachusetts kid. He's a potential, not potential, I mean, he's certainly a first-rounder, but he's a potential top-five pick overall. Yeah. But that was a dirty play. Um, but going back to Ohio State, JT Barrett, they struggled so much passing the ball. I mean, this was the week last year when they lost to Oklahoma, right? I think yes, it was, it week, was two. week two. Yeah, right. And it was like bench him for Haskins and blah, blah. Now their passing game looks amazing. Now, again, have they played anybody? No. no, TCU will be a big challenge for them, but defensively, I don't think TCU can hang. No. Um, so it's going to be very, very interesting to watch that passing game because they are arguably the most balanced football team in the country if they keep passing the way they're passing. Um, even more balanced than Alabama. Alabama has this, this balance that I've never seen before, uh, which is killing me because I have Damian Harris on my fantasy team. Yeah, but, that's not a good move. Bad well, it, pick. W- it would have been in any other year under Nick Saban in Alabama. Remember preseason when I said 10 guys who could be bust in college football this year and Damian Harris was on that list and you called well, me an idiot it, for it? Who should I take it running back there, Bozo? If you're taking a Harris at Alabama, take Najee Harris because he had more carries than Damian yeah, Harris last year. He's not going to ca- carry the ball. They're going to throw. Well, that, that's, that's the problem. That's what they do now. I mean, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith. Take Scotty Phillips, the best running back in the whole in, in the whole of yeah, the SEC. I got to pay more attention to our JUCO rankings, man. Yeah. Or I could take Kyron Hill or Kylan Hill. I'm sorry for missing. Mississippi State. State. Did you watch that game so. at all? I I watched the whole game. I still think Nick Fitzgerald is going to be the guy that runs a lot more than he did against Kansas State. Kansas State looked like garbage. Their offense, they're not going to be able to score points, and their own, their defense could do only so much. But they got Skylar Thompson. We love Scotty We do? Well, we did in high school. Remember? What do you make of Texas, Mike? I don't know what to think. I, I just I wonder if this guy's a really good coach. I'm starting to wonder. You know, I know he did good things at at Houston, but that that particular AAC conference is crap. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're the the more talented football team, you're gonna go undefeated in that conference. We saw it last year with UCF and we saw it with Houston when he was there. So now I'm beginning to wonder if, you know, the great offensive mind at Ohio State who made Cardell Jones look good is actually a fit or not at Texas because they just don't look good. They're not going to beat USC, are they? I don't know. I honestly don't know. That game could go either way. It's going to be telling to see how that game goes. Um, But this, I mean, to lose to Maryland for two straight seasons – to have Tulsa hang around, I know it was. I think it was twenty-eight-seven, and Tulsa scored twice late. But I mean, this is Tulsa, and this is Texas. This should have been 
a 55-3 kind of game, not not this. And it just does not look like Ellinger can do a whole lot. They don't really have much of a running game. Their wide receivers seem very average. Is their offensive line much better? Their defense is kind of hanging, but 29 points to Maryland, 28 points against Tulsa. I mean, what's, what is this? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. But, you know, I thought they'd be competitive in year two which we're in year two. Yeah. Um, clearly it's not going to be year two. Um, if it's year three, we'll see. Maybe they can turn this around. But right now it's it's very disappointing to watch so far. And USC, again, they've got some problems of their own. But uh, you have to think that USC is going to win that football game based on the way Texas has played so far. A couple running back shout-outs. Benny Snell at Kentucky. Did you see how good he was? 175 yards. Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin is always good. Come on, New Mexico, though. Doesn't matter. He's going to put up 2,000 yards, and he'll be in New York City. Cause he's well, that's, let's talk about that real quick. Who's going to be in New York City? Because Khalil Tate's not going to be, right? No, he's done. Um, Bryce Will Lovett, Greer against done. Jonathan Taylor? Will Greer, Kyler Murray, Jonathan Taylor. Who else am I missing? Trace McSorley. Maybe. Mackenzie Milton? Dwayne Haskins? Dwayne Haskins? Which, if you told me <laughs> four years <laughs> ago that Dwayne Haskins would be in New York as a Heisman candidate, I would have laughed. Two when he was our MVP at uh, our Washington, D.C. camp, he had no offers, and he was our MVP at quarterback, and then he ended up with like 40 offers after that. That's what you call evaluating. That's we discovery. Super what we do. <laughs> That's a discovery. <laughs> Speaking of great quarterback play, how about the Nebraska-Colorado game and Steven Montez? Hey, he's Rated on as my... a low three-star by whoever was our Texas analyst back in 2015. Yeah, not a good look there. No. Um, 6'5", 185 coming out of high school. Now he's got them off to a 2-0 start. That was a good game. Did you watch that game? It was a good game. And, I yes, I did watch that game. Um I, I had the flu this weekend. I still have a fever, hot it's under the, the flu collar. In September, I think it's because uh, oh yeah, you know, baby, kid, baby, kids are going back to school. You, you know, it's, it's all oh your wife's sickness. a teacher too. She brings home all sorts of horrible things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she doesn't work in a school anymore though. No, but she's still meeting with kids, and it's a it's a whole mess. You have the immune system of a premature infant. <laughs> I, um. Montez, very, very good. He's on my five quarterbacks to start for week three. And also, Why, who uh, they Colorado is playing, uh, I should know this off the top of my head. but Yeah, I'm you're the fantasy the football guru. Uh, I'm not really, but uh, I, 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 it's, a, it's a good one to start Montez. It's New Hampshire. Oh, wow. I got to get him. I got to pick him up. Yeah, you got to pick him up. You got to pick him up. New Hampshire scored seven points. Also pick up... Mike, here's the tip of the week. Pick right, up the Colora- Colorado defense. New Hampshire scored seven against Colgate and lost. Uh, and, and, you know, if Colorado you know, can't hold New Hampshire to, to fewer points than Colgate. All right. Mike's super team is 0-2. So I'm going, <laughs> no, I can't give up the Georgia defense. They're playing Middle Tennessee. I'm not gonna no, Middle Tennessee is going to score. No, but I will give up. Who should I give up, Tyler Huntley or Ryan Finley? Which one should I give oh, up? Well, give up, give up Huntley. They both suck. Huntley Finley. scored more points than Finley. 
Finley's leading the ACC in passing yards. Yeah, but he's only 19 points projected for this weekend against West Well, they're playing, West, they're playing the Mountaineers. I think that's going to be an interesting game, but I also want to shout out LaVisca Chenault, three-star wide receiver in Texas as well, no doubt. who looks like he could be one of the best wide receivers in college football. Let me find Montez. If somebody's got Montez, I'm going to be very upset. Let me see. Like Probably owned in like 3% of leagues. Oh, and 2. I stink. So bad. Montez is owned. He's somebody, somebody has him. You see, that's why you got to trade for him. I'm not going to trade with these losers. <laughs> Who do you think I you think I'm going to reach out to these bozos I'm in this league with? But I Who do you like in that of, game? I can't get rid of Georgia's defense, although they're projected to only have seven points. It's all about matchups. It's all about matchups. New Hampshire can't do anything. Colorado is going to win that game. Forty-five right. nothing. Colorado's defense is available. This isn't the Chip Kelly New Hampshire teams. Colorado. Let's see. All right, we've come to a real lull in the show. The um, best thing about New Hampshire is that Jed Bartlett is from New Hampshire, the West. I'll let you talk about Houston and Ed Oliver and the hype that he's getting while I, I find my. I don't care about that. I care about West Virginia, NC State this weekend. I think it's a really interesting matchup. I think NC State has been lowballing how they've been playing to wait for this matchup. I think Dave Doran is a great coach. But I still think West Virginia goes in there and wins by at least 10 points. Yeah, West Virginia's going to beat NC State, there's no doubt about it. But they're only like three-point favorites. Oh. Let me see what... Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be more than three points. So Colorado defense is available. I'm going to get them. Uh, Kylan Hill, did you you watch Kylan Hill, how good he was? So he's one of the breakout players from Mississippi State that I'm doing. On yep. Wednesday, I'm doing my breakout players and my freshmen. I think I'm also going to rate the commits of the week. We'll get to that in a second because there were a lot of four-star commitments that happened this past week, which is very rare. So let's go through my shame. Ready? Okay. Tennessee's offense. Shame. Yes, shame, shame. DeAndre Baker dropping the ball across the goal line before he reached it. Shame. Shame, shame. 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 Okay, shame we should on have him. A, we should have a sound drop for this. If Dave Barry was on his toes. Dave Barry, why don't you have a Fred sound Norris drop? Fred Norris has the shame from Game of Thrones. Shame, yeah, with the bell. Yeah. Shame, shame. Ding, 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 South Carolina, at home, supposed to be the second best team in the SEC East. Shame, you stink. You see all these defense, first two games, you look horrible. Shame, you stink. Michigan State, how about you? You stink. Shame. You almost lost to Utah State, and you lost to Arizona State under Herm Edwards, so shame on you. Brandon Wimbush, three interceptions. Shame, especially when I was starting to believe in you as a passer, and then you come out against Ball State and do that. Shame. Notre Dame's running game. They had barely over 100 yards against Ball State. Now I knew hey. this was a, this was the lock of the week that they weren't going to cover because they were favored by like what thirty. Yeah, and they're coming off a big rivalry game. You knew Ball they were going to come. Ball State's not out a horrible flat. team. Dave Letterman. Great team. No, not a great team by any stretch. The fighting Dave Letterman. Uh, Rutgers, the ESPN Don't. announcers on College Football Final, <laughs> uh, who are what Joey Galloway, who's the dude who used to be the quarterback and used to be the bachelor, uh, Jesse Palmer. Jesse Palmer, and then Adnand, who I love, uh, they were actually making fun of Rutgers, which is hilarious. <laughs> That's a shame on Rutgers. Florida, 
Shame on you, Felipe Franks looks beyond average. The offense stinks. Kentucky is supposed to be an automatic win, but it's not. Shame on you. Florida State, Samford. You were losing to Samford. You had to pull it out in the second half. Shame on you. You stink. Purdue, 0-2. Eastern Michigan, Michigan never yeah. beats, ever beats Big Ten teams, ever. No, no. And then that they was a Purdue. shame. That was a so shame. the whole Rondell Moore is going to be a superstar thing. He's still a good player, but he's on a he's on a horrible football team. Shame on them. Arizona. Kevin Sumlin doesn't know what to do with Khalil Tate. No. I could coach Khalil Tate better than Kevin Sumlin has so far. It's e- it's so easy what to do with him. You you let him loose and you let him do his thing. Shame. Kansas State. Shame on you. Should have put up a better fight against Mississippi State. Old Miss defense. Shame on you. They gave up 41 points to Southern Illinois. Yeah. That's horrible. And then Texas, winning by a touchdown over Tulsa after losing to Maryland. Bad team. So there's my shame. You got any shame to add? I think that's pretty much the shame. Uh, that's enough shame for this Catholic boy. How about this shame? Mike Farrell says Shaquem Griffin wasn't worth the draft pick. That is shameful, and Jamal Adams called you out, and he was completely right for doing so. You know what? I wrote in, a, in my column today that I was wrong. <laughs> Admitting, because I'm a man, like Mike Gundy says, I can admit that I'm wrong. But you're not um, 40. I'm older than 40. It's right. sad. Yes, yes. But I was very wrong. And now, again, he only had a couple tackles in his first game or whatever. But I, I figured he could be picked up as a free agent. The best he'd be is a special teams guy. Now, I still could be right. He's only starting because of an injury. See, you can't say you're wrong, but you could still be right. Either you're right or you're wrong, Mike. No, see, I say I'm right, then people get on me, then I'm wrong, then I admit I'm wrong, and then when I'm right again, then I come out and say I was right again. And okay. That's, that's my writing strategy, and it gets a lot of people to hate me so much that uh, they can't stand even listening to our podcast, so they don't even tune in. I can't but, even stand listening to it, I and I'm on it. Well, it's horrible. Yeah. Some commitments. Nick Cross to Florida State. Good get. Good get, even though DeMatha doesn't produce anybody that makes it other than Quandro Brothers. Yep. Nick Cross choosing Florida State, as we all expected him to do, I think a month ago he was supposed to announce his decision. But yeah. Florida State adding talent, six foot one, 205-pound safety. Demond Dimas, this one I know you're going to want to talk about. Yeah. Out of Houston, Texas, to ver- verbal commitment to Texas A&M for the 2020 class. You want to talk about a dynamic kid, six foot three, hundred eighty pounds, potential five star. I think he's going to end up being one before all is said and done. That's a huge commitment. Uh, yeah, he's perfect for that offense. I think. Then they got Malik Hornsby, the twenty twenty quarterback, who's perfect for that offense. And Damon Demas or <coughs> Damas or Dumas or Dem- however you say Demas. Uh, his buddies with Zach Evans, who. Might be the number one player in the 2020 class. This is really stock up for Texas A&M and stock down for Texas here. Well, and Texas A&M, I think, is currently our number two team in the 2019 rankings and killing it already for 2020. So really, that's, again, another knock against Tom Herman. Uh, I hadn't gotten to Malik Hornsby yet, but a lot of people think he should be ranked higher than he is. He's 179 for the 2020 class for us. A lot of people think he should be a top 25 player in the country. We're going to see, you know, our evaluation process is, it's a, it's a progression. It takes time to see it's in these the early kids. stages. Yeah, it's very early. We're only in our second numerical ranking for the 
2020 class, but we all know that me as the leader of the rankings will get it right in the end, as I did with Kellen Mond and others. So um, have faith, but you know that's a really good get up, get for them. Will Harold uh, out of Maryland, choosing Florida, uh, six foot six, 305 pound guard, but he could play tackle, so he's got that versatility. That's a big get for Florida as yeah. well. Um, Florida also landed somebody else, too, that's not even in this list. Who'd they land? Hold on. Give me the Jeopardy music. I'll tell you in about How are we five seconds. This? They landed Jaden Hill. Yeah. How come he's Who was supposed to be a lock to, to Tennessee, I believe. He's not on this commitment list, and he should be. That's he should be. That's a big one right there. Yeah, because that's, again, another defensive back, and they're obviously one of the teams that considers themselves DBU. Um, so that's a good one as well. And let's see who else added uh, some talent here as we scroll through the list here. i got to obviously come up with these myself sometimes uh, because they're just missing. Dedrick Mills, Juco running back. The kid had like 200 yards in his first game at Garden City uh, in Kansas. 5'11", 200-pounder going to Nebraska. The number He's a top 10 Juco prospect. Very, very high on him. Uh, people think he's going to be exceptional. So that's a huge commitment for them. Michael Morris, 6'6", 260-pound weak side defensive end, although he should be a strong side with that size. Out of yeah. American Heritage in Florida, going to Michigan, big get for them. Kane Patterson, six foot two, two hundred twenty-seven pound linebacker out of Tennessee, choosing Clemson. Uh, and the last one, Trey Wittig, which we're doing a take two on, because anybody who goes to Wisconsin should be rated immediately as a four-star offensive lineman, and he is one of them. Six foot seven, three hundred and two pounds, offensive tackle out of Wisconsin. He's a twenty twenty kid. By the time he reaches Wisconsin, he'll be 6'7", 325 pounds, a yep. future first-rounder, I'm sure. And right now, 85th in the country, probably should be first. Can we talk about the greatest wide receiver in the history of wide receivers? Yeah, is- if you want to talk about Nada, is that how you pronounce it? No, Joe Nagata. Nagata, okay, bring it. He, okay, Dave Barry was at this game. We're, we're workhorses. We're, we're, we're... Driving across L.A. It takes us five and a half hours to go five miles. It's the worst place ever. But uh, first catch of the game, 68-yard touchdown. Second catch of the game, inside screen, about three defenders around him, runs right by him, touchdown again. Had three touchdowns on the night. Probably Dave could have had seven, eight touchdowns. Looks, Mike, I'm not lying, looks and plays exactly like T. Higgins. He's, he's exactly the same height and weight. Exactly. 6'4", 210. And, gee, guess where he's going? And he's going to Clemson. Wide receiver you, guaranteed first-round draft pick. Yeah, we're going to have to bump him to a five-star. Yes. And maybe, maybe the number one player in the state of California. Ooh. Maybe. Dave, you saw Kayvon Thibodeau two weekends ago. You saw Joe Nagata. What what say you? Well, you know my feelings on uh, on Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, but yeah, Nagata was awesome. Uh, we'll be putting video out uh, later this week with with analysis from from uh, Gorney. But yeah, you, everybody will be able to see what we're talking about because he was flat out unstoppable. Any distant relation to Haloti Nagata? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, Is this I kid don't... on Twitter? 
This kid's on Twitter. He's on. Let me see. Hold on. I can't find him. I don't know if you follow. There he what, is. What I like about him oh, too. Not a big, not a big Twitter guy. Not a big he Twitter guy. Well, he doesn't follow me, so that's. That's what I like him. about him. Well, it's going to be hard for him to get that fifth star because if you don't follow me. Does he follow me? I wonder. He, do, he does. Yes. All now right, I like well, him even more. Yeah. Good luck. But he's a four star. So. <laughs> Sorry, if you don't follow me. On Twitter, you really don't know what you're doing, and you don't belong as a five star. To be honest with you, but look at that. We went through all the games. We went through all the commitments. I mean, I really don't know what else to talk about. Um, I'm done. No, no, no. Listen, there's other subjects. Hold on. I just want to check one thing. We're at a certain level of 56 minutes. We're 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 encroaching on a level that I don't want to get over. Nobody listens to us anyway. It doesn't matter. Let's see. We talked about Rodney Anderson. We talked about the quarterback, Adrian Martinez. and that. How, how about my fantasy team yesterday, Mike? Uh, if things go as, as planned. Oh, you're I'm, talking about NFL? NFL, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm 1-0 after this week. I got Cam Newton, who was okay. He's average. He was very average. I, I got Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Stefan Diggs. Oh, Diggs did well. And... Who are your running backs? Jamal Williams from Green Bay, who wasn't really good. I might no, pick up Adrian bad. Peterson if I can get him. Um, he was like my last pick. Back. You got uh, my, a really oh, good running back. Uh, Kamara, Kamara. Oh, that's right. You mentioned Kamara. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's like, the man. Well, once Mark Ingram comes back, then you're you're in a little trouble because he's going to cut into his touches. But um, I have Ingram. I didn't know he was suspended when I drafted him. But guess who I have? Aaron Rodgers. Guess who I oh. thought was dead last night? Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Guess who came back and got me 30-something points? Nice. Aaron Rodgers. And I'm 1-0. I've never nice. had Aaron Rodgers ever in my 12-year – well, actually, I've been doing fantasy football for 20 years. But in this league I'm in, I've been in for 12 years. I've never had Aaron Rodgers or anybody similar to him talent-wise at quarterback. So this is, like, all new to me. So – Last night, of course, I watch him get carted off the field. I'm like, this is just the worst thing. He's dead. He's dead because I'm bad luck. But yeah. He comes back as the hero he is. You know what I don't like? His brother on the SEC Network. I don't like Oh, uh, well, he was on The Bachelor. Okay, so did you watch You watched The Bachelor the year that he was The Bachelor? No, he was not The Bachelor. He was on whoever season and he won. And the yeah. whole and everybody and he was kind of the bad guy because everyone said he was only doing it to be you know promoted through the ranks of ABC and ABC is is the owner of ESPN and ESPN is the owner of the SEC network right am I right by, by saying that or no? Um, Doesn't I ESPN think you're right about that. ESPN owns everything. Yeah. Well, anyway, he he was working toward a television gig and now he's on the SEC network and. Not not a huge fan, but the whole season that year, if you remember, he was ripping Aaron Rodgers for not being a part of the family, and that's why Aaron wasn't at the in, you know the uh, the in homes and all those kinds of things, whatever they call him on The Bachelor. I forget. Oh, you don't know what they're called. <laughs> Please, you're like the biggest Bachelor fan ever. I we've even started watching Bachelor in Paradise this summer, even though I swore I wasn't going to, but it's still on the TV. Hey, guess who just followed me back? Joe Nagata. Well, no. Oh. Daniel Nagata. Who's that? 
His brother, 2024 star running back, two touchdowns Friday night. So Daniel is going to be a five star mm. in the 2020 class, and Joe will not make it to five stars. He <laughs> follow me back. Yet. But I followed Daniel immediately, and he immediately followed me back, like he's been waiting for me to follow him all his life. Daniel Nagata is a could be a drop dead look alike for Darnay Holmes. They look exactly the, like the same person. Yeah, well, I would it's tell I, I would tell Joe to follow me because our next ranking is in December, and it's probably a smart move if he wants to, uh, you know, move up. Oh, I also have Tyreek Hill, who was a was a oh my god, stud. he had freaking three touchdowns. I know, and then and then he hit his head on that one play, and he had to go underneath that dumb tent that they have, and uh, I was worried about him. I was trying to get him on the trading block as soon as possible but then he came back and dominated so i see off field means nothing to you you don't care if these are good people or not what are you trying to say i'm just trying to say Tyreek's had some problems in the past hey it's all about who can deliver me a win in fantasy of course mark ingram suspended so. yeah exactly and, and i uh and i have julian edelman i drafted julian edelman even though he's under suspension too that's a good call because he's gonna miss four games yeah, but I don't need back. him now. And no, you don't. But you never win fantasy, do you? You know, last year I finished fourth just outside of the quote-unquote money because obviously no one's playing for actual money. But uh, they pay, uh, my league pays out top three if we were paying money, but we don't. So uh, I finished fourth, but I had Aaron Rodgers who got hurt, so I didn't draft him this year. And I had someone else that, that, got, that I had that got hurt uh, someone really important. Who else got hurt last year who was really important? Oh, gosh. I'm trying to remember. There are a lot so, of guys. Oh, Dal- Dalvin Cook. I had Dalvin Cook. Oh, yeah. He missed. And so he I was really... I was piecemealing teams together each week on the transfer wire trying to trying to do anything. The year before that, I finished in second place, and I did a gentleman... A really gentlemanly thing is I agreed in the championship game because... If, if our league was paying out, the divergence of the money was so different between first and second. Said, hey, who cares? Let's split the money and let's all take it to the bank. That's what we decided to do in the championship. Nice. <laughs> it's very good of you. That is really low ball. That is low. Sounds that is like trash. That is Northeast Pennsylvania trash right there. Garbage is what it is. <laughs> well, I think we have to wrap this up because I have to pee. Oh, well. Some, some of us don't over. wait. It's been over an hour. <laughs> so, you have to pee every pee every hour. Yeah, I do. I didn't, I didn't know you were that old. I drink water. I drink a lot of water. I hydrate. Uh, that's good. All right, so go let's wrap this up, Dave Barry. Come on. Okay, I'll do my job. I'll tell everybody our Twitter handles uh, at Adam Gorney, at Rivals Mike, and at Real Dave Barry. We will see everybody again next week. 